American Hammers Radio presents Fortunes Always Hiding. Hello and welcome into the Fortunes Always Hiding podcast on here on American Hammers Radio. My name is Zach. I am your host. I am joined by John from Philly and Chris, who is in in wonderful Cleveland, Ohio, where they're sorry, Columbus, excuse me, Columbus. Ohio is such a state, it's a state that no one really cares about. Hey, 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 hey. hey, hey. There, there, are three, there are three major cities in all of, all, all of Ohio Bro. Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Right off the bat, you're like, let's get this third episode of this podcast started by pissing off an entire state of West Ham United fans. That's a, a right righteous. Okay, hang on, hang on. Can you, like, literally, can you name cities in Ohio? Sure. Me? No, no, John. Okay. I just said Dayton. That's a city in Ohio. It, it, it doesn't exist. It's only an NCAA um, house. It literally, all that's there is NCAA stuff. There's other cities, you know. Come on. You got Toledo as well. You got Youngstown. You got Athens. Hang on. Youngstown, technically Pennsylvania. Toledo's better in Spain. Anyway, anyway. (laughs) And all all three major cities are connected by one single highway, and it's like a straight shot down. And Cincinnati's better on the the Kansas cities, on the uh, Kentucky side, anyways. Anyways, now that that's uh, now my beef with with Ohio is sort of out of the way, (laughs) I have more beef with Ohio. Trust me on that one. We'll do the whole podcast. All right. Yes. So I want, I want to, I hope you all had a very happy Christmas and a happy holiday season, meeting friends, family, uh, having good, ho- good holiday cheer before we, and then even before, like we were done opening presents, we had problems because this is West Ham United and not, no date is off limits for problems. I kind of feel like we're the Washington Redskins in this sort of thing. Like we do. Bring it off the field. On the field, not so much. We uh, always make headlines. The Redskins, the Redskins deserve to be relegated way yes, more. They do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. I am not denying that as a Washingtonian. I can tell you if Daniel Snyder, if the NFL had a relegation system, he would be the first team to go. Absolutely. Even if they don't finish dead last in the standings, yep. they'll be the first to go. All right, anyways, so on Christmas Day, Michael Antonio gets into a huge car crash. He literally – so do you know what a Massachusetts man is? No. So so you know what Florida man is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, so Florida man, for all of you who don't know, Florida man is – is Florida man does blank. Because it's always Florida man. Like Florida man throws toilets into St. Louis um, school building, arrested blocks away, sitting on a different toilet. Or Florida man – um, is arrested eating pancakes in the middle of a crosswalk. It's stupid things like that. And you can, if you, by the way, if you just type in Florida Man on Google or Yahoo, whatever your search engine is. Twitter account. Out. There's a Florida Man Twitter account. It's genius. Yeah. And by the way, we've already pissed off a second state. We are on roll. <laughs> we got just keep going. Yeah, no, no, no. This is a matter of, this is a matter of fact. It's not a matter of opinion like me in Ohio. It's a matter of fact. The, <laughs> these stories come out all the time because of the shun, sunshine law. There's a great Trevor Noah thing about it. Trust me on this. But Massachusetts, man, because whenever it snows really heavily in Massachusetts, you never, you see all these snow banks and you don't know what's turning around a corner. And so Massachusetts man is when you veer off the road and into a building. So Michael Antonio was a Massachusetts man and veered off the road and into somebody's house. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was dressed like a snowman. 
Yeah, and that's probably my favorite part about that—the video of him climbing out of his craft Lamborghini <laughs> as a snowman. Well, the worst part for me is he didn't even apologize. It's Christmas Day; you just ruined some poor family's house. Did he not at all? Not like I know it wasn't on video, but did he not at all? From what I've been able to tell, he hasn't. I mean, he may have later, but at the minute, at the moment, he did not apologize. He. Hell, if this was me, I would be apologizing profusely and hoping to God I don't go to prison. Because okay. this whole thing, that whole thing, well, and also, why are you driving in a snowman suit? Well, he, he showed up, he, he had showed up to training as a snowman. He was just doing it uh, because it was Christmas. Yeah, that, I mean, that I know, but still, it's just kind of like, it's Christmas, it's Christmas Day. You have to get in an accident on Christmas Day right before a match. Look, man, this is one of those things where, yeah, you're right. On, on the outside, it looks kind of ridiculous. But I feel like if you're there and if you know Antonio and if we actually knew the details, it's probably not that bad. He just made a stupid decision of trying to drive back home in his in his gigantic you know, snowman suit. Um, it, it, it was a little it was a little silly. Um, but, I mean, you know, is it it wasn't like he was who was it that was driving drunk? Who did the exact same thing and, and plowed their Lamborghini into? Oh, oh or, or Sako did it. Wasn't it Sako that drew, plowed his Lamborghini into somebody's house? I would um, not be surprised if it was. Uh, yeah, I feel like it was Sako or somebody like that. Uh, and, and and that was kind of a uh, yeah, well, whatever um, moment where you know Antonio he probably paid that family. Come on, they're, they're oh crazy. yeah. I mean, I'm not denying that he probably paid for the damages and whatnot, but in his insurance is which is already high because he's. 29 and driving a Lamborghini is going to be even higher now. He's not worried about it. But what I will say, what I will say is it's just when I, when, when I saw that news, I didn't even blink. I was just like, of course, because that's what's going on with West Ham United right now. It's like, it's like this perfect encapsulation of, 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 of what we are and, and where we are as a club that, you know, our kind of talismanic um, right back striker, uh, because that's the thing, um, you know, uh, he, is is like the soul of the club. He's like this silly, goofy guy who you know gets everyone in a good mood. And what does he get for it? He wrecks his Lambo. So um, you know, it, it it just says a lot about where we are right now. Yes, it does, and it's appalling, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those of you who can't see, I'm taking the drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we we should do a podcast at the end of the year where we're all drinking, but not tonight because tonight we have a lot bigger shit to talk about. Yes, we do. All right, and so then we go, so after the news breaks and we all go, of course, us, and we take a drink, we have the Crystal Palace match on Boxing Day, which we don't remember, we started off, the first half was meh at best. Yeah, I would agree with that. But in the second half, we actually started to show a little bit of life. Snodgrass got a goal in the, hang on, in the 57th minute from Antonio, and it was just kind of like, hey, he scored a goal. Yay. We have a lead. We have a lead. We have a lead. And the biggest yeah, problem, yeah. And the biggest problem is we don't know how to play with a lead, and we end up giving one up to Kuyate. Kuyate, Kuyate, yeah, Kuyate. Yeah, shortly thereafter, and it's just kind of like, of course, us. This is going to happen to us. We we have no idea how to play with a lead. We have no idea how to defend with a lead. And everyone's just running around and ball ball chasing and not playing their position. And it's just like. To be fair, we don't know how to play without a lead. Okay, that that is true. 
I don't think that, and, that's, the, that's the, you know, the, the, the key factor in all this. I think the key factor is that if anyone puts us under any pressure whatsoever, we began to panic. We began to lose our positional sense. Uh, Pellegrini expects everyone to just pass the ball around and move, and it just kind of works itself out. But in the Premier League, that's not the way this works. And I think the most banter part, uh, part of that all was that with Cecco Chiate, his first goal for Palace against his former club, the first goal in two years against his former club. It, it's just mind-boggling to me that we that this constantly happens to us. It's always yep. we we get we sell off a what a player, and when they're playing us again, we lose. Nailed on, well, as they say. It's <coughs> it's it's Murphy's law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. They might as well name it West Ham Law. <laughs> you know, there are some friends of mine who who say they're going to listen to this podcast, and uh, I will start quizzing them. But uh, we also need to, to say there are wonderful, gorgeous moments that that sometimes make it make it better. We won't talk about any of those today, but there there are moments like that. That West Ham being a West Ham supporter is an up and down experience. It's a of, of incredible highs and, and, and insane lows. Uh, we're just in one of those troughs right now. So, And thank God that trough does not smell like urine like they do at Wrigley Field. It probably does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just kind of like one of those like one of those things that I really don't didn't know where to go. Also, we started Roberto in that because Fabianski was still injured yeah. and um, Martin still had injured. And so it's just kind of like you go back to a guy who had who's not won a single game since he's been here. It's not he's gotten one draw, I think, and that's yeah. because, and that's yeah, because he was yeah, he was yeah, put maybe. in late. No, excuse me, two draws, two draws. Right. Yes, yeah, so the Bournemouth game and then the Sheffield United game. <coughs> but right. still, only two draws and the rest have been losses. It's. It's mind to me. It's mind boggling that they go back to this guy who's not won a single game. It's you. you he Pellegrini should have realized that I can't go back to this guy. Nobody wants. Well, nobody wants to see him. Zach, if you look at what I said, I said this in the last podcast. I said, yeah, yeah, Brady, yeah, yeah. come out and said, you know, um, well, you know, he, he's not a bad goalkeeper overnight, and and you know, I still trust him, and you know, he set us all up for this. So yes, he did. Uh, you know, it's. Um, it's a good example also of why Pellegrini got the sack because he was unwilling to change. He expected him, he expected to be able to uh, train the same way he's trained for 20 years and to uh, make the same decisions he's made for 20 years and everything was just going to work itself out. And uh, obviously that was wrong. Right. I, I will give this though, as much crap as we're talking on Roberto and as much as he deserved it, he had some fun, a, a few phenomenal saves in that game. If you hit it right at him, he can. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But I mean, yeah, but, but if you hit it a little to the left or a little to the right, it's yeah. Get a it hit in and it go in. Dive. Yeah. No. I was, I was a I was a I was a high school goalkeeper, right? I mean, obviously that was that was that was the level I I stopped at. Um, but uh, you know, still, I mean, like when you when you're watching that and you see someone not even dive, this kind of wave a hand. I mean, it's it's excruciating. Yeah. If you're a, a professional goaltender in this sport and you don't die, if you're not going to get very far, you need no. to be sprawling. If you look, if you go back and look at the tapes of Lev Yashin, who is by far the best player to ever play this position, he's the only one to ever win the Balloon d'Or. 
before in, in this position. So if you look back at him, what is he doing? He's diving left, right, up, down. He's sacrificing his body. He yeah. is making these astronomical saves, which is why he got the nickname the Black Spider and or the Black Octopus or the Black Scorpion or whatever you want to call him because he was just so damn good. He was the first person ever to start diving for balls like that. And he there's been, I mean, with the exception of Manuel Neuer, there's not been many other players to play it as well as he has. Yeah. Neuer is just like a, a like he's like a Terminator, like sent from the future to stop goals. Well, and unfortunately, he, was pro- <laughs> he probably would have been a better midfielder than he would have been a goalkeeper, but <laughs> that's a story for another time. So, it, I mean, he's pretty decent as a goalkeeper. So. <laughs> But this is not a Bayern Munich podcast, nor is it a goalkeeping podcast. So we'll, let's get back to West Ham. Let's go. Let's go. But like, so just looking at the stats from that game, the in the whole, the, we only led in a few categories. We led in block shots three to one, offsides two to one, goalkeeper saves two to one, fouls ten to five, yellow cards two to nothing, and tackles twenty seven to sixteen. That's it. That, what that says is we were completely on the def- like the defense the entire time. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, my app doesn't break it down by th- uh, what third your possession in the third in your third. But it seemed like when we were tied one one, most of what the ball, most of Palace's possessions came in the middle half, the middle third, in our defensive third, and we just didn't attack. We didn't. Yeah, no, not at all. Okay, we didn't go. Okay, we need to start making. We need to start making a cross. We need to win for our manager. We need to show that we're behind him. And what happened? No, he left. We just let him walk all over us, and then Jordan Ayew scores a goal in the 90th minute. Well, I can think us guys. That was this was on the cards. I mean, yeah. there was no indicator in the last ten matches that we were getting better, that we were improving, that they were showing some fights. Because if you're not doing it on the training pitch, you don't do it in matches. And there's a lot of stuff that's been coming out now, and I know we're going to get some noise in a second, but there's a lot of stuff that's coming out now that the players, especially the British players, were fed up with training. Uh, there's even a rumor that Mark Noble at one point picked the ball up in yeah. training and like walked yeah, off. Um, I believe that they were claiming that they were over, actually over-training. Like, they were being pushed too hard and that that kind of explains it in a way like why we always look so lethargic on the pitch because they're always so tired well but but what i what i read was that they were only doing just 11 v 11 yeah uh, basically scrimmaging you know for for the entire training period and 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 they weren't like there's already been a footage of moisen training today where you can see players running drills um doing different things on the pitch um, you know, and, and hopefully running at all, because by the 65th minute, we were all like dead, you know, on yeah. The yeah. But to me, it's just, it's maddening because when Morris first came in, everyone was like, oh, like they were, they were saying about Morris, oh, his trainings are so much, sorry, not Morris, Pellegrini. When Pellegrini came in, they're like, oh, his trainings are so much more advanced than Morris and so much better than Morris. And, and we found ourselves right back where we began. Yeah, it's you know though, like I think 
I think if you look, if, if we look back, and I'm sure someone uh, will listen to this and go, oh, I found the article. But um, if you look back, I'm pretty sure they said, you know, uh, oh, yeah, the trainings are great. There's a zip about the place. It's all that kind of like, you know, athlete sports talk for we like the new manager. Things are going well. Uh, I don't remember anything being like, you know, Pellegrini showing us something that I've never seen before. You know, he did move Declan up and really supported Declan becoming a defensive midfielder. And Declan came out on Twitter and said, thank you for everything you taught me, Pellegrini. That was amazing. Absolutely master. He wasn't a bad manager. He was a manager out of his time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that I think that that's what we need to take away from this. Well, it also, if we put more money into this, if we put a, pumped a bunch of money into this team, we had Dubai oil money, like Man City. Hmm. I'm sure he would have been fine. He, yeah. we, we would be top top four easily and this would be a whole separate podcast and we would be we would be looking at how the hell do we beat Liverpool but that's not where we are because we have two guys who've made their money in in the press in real estate in airplanes and in a bunch of other ventures that are not oil and they're uh, not from Dubai so one major venture that's not oil uh, and and, and I, there are a lot of puns that come to mind, but I don't know who's going to listen to the podcast. And children uh, support West Ham United and don't wear them where the money came from. <laughs> Ann Summers does not sell oil. I can tell you that much. <laughs> there, by the way, there is an Ann Summers store at, at um, Westfield Stratford. Amazing. Amazing. It's, it's literally right by the John Lewis store. I'm like, oh, I wonder who put that in. I can't remember, but there were some guys on Knees Up Mother Brown that were really seriously saying, can we just get Sullivan to like let the let the gold daughters who run Ann Summers take over West Ham United because they do a better job. Okay. And I don't, I mean, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> so, I've, hang on, I've read Sullivan's book, um, and he talked about the problems with starting up Ann Summers and the fact that when, she, when they would go to job fairs, the police would give her a shit shit for it because they had different things out and like as examples and just kind of like you can't have this shit i'm like why not this is what we do and every every place you went to and when they first started in the first couple of years starting out it led to that whole that whole debate a time and time again and it's just kind of like what the fuck and so when i i have the nordstrom app and i found that they nordstrom actually sells in summers i'm like a friend of mine works for Nordstrom's. I'm like, why are you selling Ann Summers stuff? And I'm like, but thank you for doing that. Just why? This is what? The? All right, that's enough talk about Ann Summers. Hundred uh, percent. So what we're trying to say, uh, boys and girls out there, is, is that, that we're not doing a good job running the club. Is well supported. Yeah. Nice little uh, bow on that one. All right. So that what really what really gets me though is the fact that we the Pellegrini had nothing to say in post game. There was worth a damn. Like he, knew. he he hasn't had any he hadn't had anything worth to say in three months. The mo he would he went into those press conferences cocky and were just shut down completely. Like he didn't want to give take any blame. Oh, it's the players. It's we'll figure it out, but never did. Nope. All right, and now let's move to the game. Fifty and a half hours later, the West Ham Leicester game, which was in the London Stadium. Fabianski is back, thank God. Hopefully he can stay healthy and finish up the year strong. Uh, but I want to go to the ninth and minute. continue to show up. Oh, I want to go to the ninth minute. Ninth minute, um, Lester's, Lester's on our breakaway, and Fabianski's the last one back. 
and he gets and he tackles the ball carrier and he gets a yellow card. Now I thought that was a straight red. I've seen it be called a straight red before, and I'm just kind of like, oh shit, there goes Fabs, there goes our luck. We're fucked. And only to see a yellow, I'm like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. When was this changed? So I did so, did a little bit of research on this tonight, trying to figure out uh, figure out the last minute um, back call and try to figure out when there was a red card, like when that went away. And so in 2014, they had a conference in uh, Spain, and they got and they stopped making it what was known as the triple punishment, because you would be a red, get a red card, give a penalty, and then be suspended for the next match. That was the triple penalty. And so um, Michael Plant, Planty, Plandini said he wanted to end that because he felt that the pe- uh, penalty would be punishment enough. Enough. And Chris, I don't know about you, but I agree with that. The fact that it should only be a yellow card unless it's something egregious, like you're getting like a boot to the inside thigh. Yeah, I, I agree that it, I, it doesn't look intentional. It looks like it was just two players coming together and it just it was unavoidable, but it doesn't look like Fabianski was trying to take his head off or anything like that. So I agree with the yellow, but I, I, I kind of chalked that up just purely to rust. I mean, yeah. come back. But then to turn around immediately after and have that incredible save shows that Fabianski is what we need. Like yes. what we've missed more than anything in the world. Come on, guys! It's like I said just a second ago. He was showing off. <laughs> it's like, oh, you guys have been missing me, eh? Watch this! I'm gonna give a penalty and save it. Boom! Yeah. I'm back, baby. There's nothing more badass than that. Go that was the biggest mic drop. Besides taking your gloves off and scoring uh, from from a penalty kick, like Adrian did, that's that's the only thing that trumps that. Well, actually, no. I think doing a full length of the field goal, like uh, like Tim Howard no. did for Everton, that would like literally be the mic drop of all mic drops. But you would that rarely happens. He was as surprised as anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> that was going in. Um, but so Lester t- goes up, takes the one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, and Fabianski saves it. And then you have a what seemed like a three-minute review for possible encroachment. Yeah. And I don't know about you, John, but this seems a little bit like they're like the refs are just searching for things to check with VAR. Next thing you know, you'll they'll be up your nose checking for nose hairs and burgers in them. You know, this is uh, we are in the inaugural season, and um, they're they're really really like blowing this. Um, yeah, they're turning everyone against VAR. But the, I think the reason they're doing it is because they're using a new technology. They don't know what the standards are, and they're and they're 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 on they're erring on the side of caution, which is the mistake. Because what they really should be doing is letting the football, uh, you know, be played on the pitch. And if there's something that's happening out there, trust the referee. If, if, if you, it's just, so it should be like in the NFL, right? If there's a challenge, it has to be like obvious, right? It has to be, you know, incontrovertible. So in order to overturn something, you really have to have like, you know, like, oh, it's obvious. There you go. Now we can change really on the field. So, and like someone's like the, the, the hairs on an elbow being like barely offside, they're completely going against what football is all about, which is, you know, about the flow of the game. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think what this is almost going to force, if they, if they keep moving along with VAR, if they keep wanting to utilize it, which it doesn't, 
the fans want to do. They're going to have to rewrite the offside rule again to see to uh, to define what parts of the body can be farther. What uh, what constitutes the offsides now? Because if your toe is off the line or offsides, it's you're not having that much of an advantage. Uh, like, no. like it, now, if you're ten yards in front of them, hell yes. But your hand being in front of the defender is. Yeah, somebody somebody said uh, online today that there, there's actually uh, like a few pundits that are saying any body part shouldn't matter. Your arm shouldn't matter. It should be if your body is over, body is past them, and if you've got like an arm or a hand or a foot, it doesn't matter. Right. And um, I mean, I think there's a conversation to be had. Like, 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 do you remember that Kevin Nolan goal when Kevin Nolan's head was oh offside and they got called off? Uh, oh my God. You know, like, like, that's ridiculous. Like, there's no reason he didn't get an advantage with his head being forward. He didn't hit it with his head. Uh, Kevin Nolan actually outran someone for the first time in his entire life, and scored a goal. So, you know, he should, you know, instead of celebrating that, like, you know, of his life, he, you know, he got chopped off. So, well, it brings me to this point because I, 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 I've been saying that they've been using VAR wrong and been implementing it wrong. What they should have, because if you have a VAR check now, you have a thing in your ear and you go, oh, there's a VAR check. We have to wait for the man upstairs to talk to us. But if you look at what they do in Major League Soccer, what they did for the, for the World Cup, there was a screen on the field that if there was a VAR check, you, the ref, would go over to the screen and look at it yourself. Yeah. You would be in, com- in communications with the video assistant referee who would be somewhere in the, in the stadium or somewhere else and be talking to them about the about – what what's going on? Was it a goal? Was it an offside? What the deal? What the deal was? So you can see right. it for yourself. Well, th- this is the Premier League messing up. The Premier League is messing up this implementation, and um, I do hope they'll get it right. I mean, like they're getting so much flack; it's hurting their product. Yes. Uh, so um, I, I think we'll see some changes next season, but until <laughs> then, um, you know. But, but let's get back to the real issue here. We didn't lose that match because of VAR. We haven't lost a single match this year because of VAR. The real reason we lost is for the same reasons we've been talking about over and over and over again. We have no spine. We are not playing well as a team. We are not pressing. We are not passing the ball. We are not showing for the ball. It's almost like we don't have a style of play. God, I wish somebody would bring that up. But, but like, you, need t- you need t-shirts that say that. Style of play very soon, <laughs> but just just to give you some numbers in the first half of that match, we had nine goal attempts and three shots on goal. Um, in the second half, we had five goal attempts and one shot on goal. You can't win games with, one, with four shots on net. Eight, I mean, well, you can, but it's not very likely. What was Lester's stats? So Lester, so they had six in the first half. They had six goal attempts, four on goal. Second half, seven goal attempts, four on goal. I mean, that's. I mean, they're already has better accuracy than us, right? So yeah, and it's just like after uh, Lester's second goal in the fifty-six minute, we started to show signs of life, but we never got. We were never able to turn it around and get to the point where we had a dangerous, a very dangerous attack. Um, or anything like that to make it look like we had a chance of scoring. And we, I mean, sure, well, there were opportunities, but we just could not get the ball out of our feet and into the back of the net or on, on goal, really. And it was just watching it. I'm yelling. I'm sitting sitting in my movie theater room. 
having the Notre Dame game on the TV, having the West Ham game on my laptop, and I'm yelling and screaming my head off. My dad comes and is like, what are you screaming about? I'm like, West Ham's playing like shit. Like, but Notre Dame's winning. West Ham's playing like shit. <laughs> are, are you familiar with the expected goals metric? Yes. I am not. So look it up. Uh, some website. I think it's called Understat. Um, is that right? Yes. Um, but look, look up, look up expected uh, goals, and because um, I, I won't th- thirty minutes on this podcast about what that is, and I and I barely, you know, I'm not an expert, but um, it's it's a really good way to understand how a team is actually doing, and we are always terrible at uh, expected goals, and if you look, it can it really can predict a lot. Um, so uh, you know, guaranteed that's something that Moyes is looking at right now. Well, so the expected goal metric is – I've seen it more used in, in hockey and like the expected goals for and the exec, expected goals against. And there's a percentage, and this is how – it's part of the new um, Sabre metrics of hockey and hockey, how hockey is becoming more of a more of a sport. Like baseball well, works more. So they, they use it in, in – in, 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 I was going to say football, in, in soccer too. Um, so, uh, But you being such a stats guy and such a – um, you know, tactics guy. I think you'd really, you'd really like to see that. So, yeah, well, to be quite honest, I really like. If you look at hockey, hockey has like different metrics, and so do, baseball has a billion different metrics and different numbers. And really, it's not more. It's no more of a like. It's not as much of a game it used to be. It's not like oh, this guy ugly girlfriend means no confidence. They're looking at guys who have on base percentages that are. High and they're in double A. They're buried in double A because they can't field or they don't throw well, and they have an ugly girlfriend and they drive a bad car. But really, they should be in the majors because they have guys who because you got on base. If you watch Moneyball, why do you want Jeremy Giambi? He gets on base. Well, so it's not. It's not quite like that. Jeremy Giambi mentioned. It's been a while, but uh, yeah. So, like I said, I'm not trying to drag it into that, but like. Uh, for, for uh, soccer, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting statistic, and it's not nearly as um, Byzantine as it is in baseball. So yeah. yeah. All right. So now, so after the after the two one loss, um, we're all pissed off. We're all mad. We all wanted that win. We all we had a chance to win, and we blew it. Yeah. But we blew it. But the good, the only good thing to come out of that match was the fact that Pablo Fernal scored a goal. Yes. He finally scored a goal after how many games? He deserved one. Yeah, if there was one person on that team that deserves a goal, is Pablo yeah. Fernandez. The amount that he has worked trying to get adapted to this league, the amount of work, effort he has put in, yeah. he deserves more than that. But I think now that he scored one, he's going to start scoring more. Okay, so after 18 matches total, for like 18 matches that counted, he finally gets a goal. His first goal came against Newport County. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't really count because it's Newport County, and then the other the goal the other goal that he got was against Hertha Berlin in a five three one. But then again, those two don't really count for much of anything because it's not late rounds of the EFL Cup or FA Cup even, and it's just kind of like meh. But now that he finally has a Premier League goal, I think we can all look at him and go, oh, maybe he's final. Maybe he's trying to show us that he is ready and he wants to stay here at West Ham because we spent a what twenty million pounds on him. Yeah, but the important thing to me is that his performance over the last four or five matches has really deserved this yes. goal. This has been coming. He's worked for this, and so that's very exciting to see because, you know, it's easy to forget that he was in the Spain, um, was it, under U21 team, right? Yeah, um, they won the under-21 World Cup. I exactly. 
Yeah, and he, and he was an integral part of that team. So he's league. He knows he has to work hard. He's upped his effort and upped his game to get there. So uh, I'm actually excited to see what's going to happen. I think he's one of those players that Moyes was probably like, man, yeah, I'm, this is because Moyes has already said this is a better squad than when I was here last. Yeah. Which, to be fair, if you were one of those guys in the last squad, it's got to be gutting to hear, right? <laughs> But um, also on top of that too, with um, Fornells, I was actually also really happy to see Anderson get the assist on that. Maybe yeah. I'm hoping that'll boost his con- his own confidence and kick on a little bit more, especially uh, if Moyes can basically do an Arnautovic with him and kind of take him under his wing and turn yeah. him into a proper player. Well, okay. I mean, I've said this for a while that Anderson can can be the worst player on the pitch and and walk off at the end of the match with two assists. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just he's just one of those players that um, he can play below his standard. He can he can not track back, which he typically does okay, actually, and, and, and he actually can tackle pretty well for a winger. But um, but he can play pretty poorly, uh, but at the right place at the right time, and he, he he has the ability to put the ball where he wants it. And so yeah, he can he can be the worst player on the pitch and still have a couple assists. So it was good to see him though get that. You're right, confidence wise, it's big. All right, and so within hours of that game. Um, Pellegrini gets axed and say what you want. The 18 months that he was here, he brought in some great players. Yes. He did bring in some great players. Um, unfortunately he was never really ready. He couldn't really inspire them to win copious amounts of games. Like we all expected him to at the beginning of the year. I said on the American, on the American hammers radio, um, on the first episode, I even said that we should be looking at six, like six or seven. That would be, I think, where we could be. And the fact that we couldn't, and now that we're literally cellar dwellers, it's just kind of like, what the hell happened? At the beginning of the year, if you told me that we were going to be where we are and fired Pellegrini, and fired Pellegrini I would be like, you're joking, right? Yeah, but, same. Same. I, I had this conversation yeah, with my, my, my Liverpool supporting friend where I said, and this was like the, the, the match before Oxford. Uh, so I told my friend, I was like, "Listen, man, we don't really play poor, like play poorly anymore. Like, you know, we may we may not play to the best of our ability or whatever, but we really kind of work through that. You know, where we're not um, we're not like playing terribly like we used to, and just forgetting how to how to be a team. And you know, Pellegrini's really turned us around and blah blah blah. And and uh, looking back, what an embarrassing conversation that turned out to be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I should have known better." We should have, but so once he got fired and we had no manager, like Ray, Morris was rumored. He was not made official. Saturday night, I sat down and came up with 25 things I'd rather see than Morris back. And I'm going to read them to you because I had a lot of fun writing this. And I think a lot of you would agree at home. It was just like, great, Morris again. Why? 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 Number one, have a colonoscopy. Number two, have a root canal. Number three, go bungee jumping in a developing nation. Number four, get on a plane with Ted Stryker as my pilot. Number five, drive the Daytona 500 without a helmet. Number six, go skydiving. Number seven, be forced into a trig class. I suck at math, so being forced into a trig class is an automatic F for me. Number eight, drink the Kool-Aid. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number nine, be the mascot for the El Paso Chihuahuas in the dead of summer. They're a minor league baseball team. It's 120 degrees. It's 120 degrees. Uh, Number 10, go to an active war zone. Number 11, 
be a tackling dummy for a rugby team. Or number, number 12, be a javelin catcher. We saw how well that worked out for Mr. Bell, didn't we? Um, number 11, sorry, number 13, play one-on-one with a, play, with a paying customer and always lose. Space Jam reference for all you people who are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. I was uh, 14, work in a retail store where all you hear is holiday music year-round. Number 15, work at a Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, number 16, go skiing in Vail in a blizzard wearing a Borat suit. Um, 17, live for a month in a porta potty. Number 18, five days in solitary confinement. Number 19, wear the drunk cloak all over the cobblestone street. The drunk cloak is like a huge barrel that you wear. It was medieval torture, by the way. It's a heavy weighted barrel. You, it's part of the alehouse act of 1551, I believe. If you drank too much the night before and got really rowdy, they would make you wear that. It's kind of like stocks, but you had to walk in them. Reportable stocks, okay. Yeah. Um, Number 20, be a Milli Vanilli promoter. Um, 21, reenact the first Home Alone as Marv. 22, reenact the second Home Alone as Harry. Number 23, spend New Year's Eve in Times Square watching the ball drop. Number 24, be the head coach of the Washington Redskins. <laughs> and number 25, live in a van down by the river. Yeah. And so I had too much. I'm sorry. If to, I Thank you for letting me indulge you in this. I just had way too much fun doing this. I'm like, I need to. They, I want to do this. But now that Moyes is signed, we, let, we need to talk about what the hell are we do, going to do now? Because Moyes, the first time around, he had nine wins and 10 draws and 31 games. Which we got, we don't, we were saved, we survived, but it was still ugly. And John, I'm going to ask you why, other than the fact that he's a, he's available, and he seemed to have good relations with the owners, why are we going trying to the same thing over and over again? That's a definition of insanity. So, it, on at first glance, this looks terrible. Right, it really does, because you know we we wanted, you know we wanted someone else. We wanted Eddie Howe. We wanted uh, you know right. stay stay English. Wanted you know Dyche. We wanted um, uh, Kovach, right? I mean, like we wanted something, someone, someone new, someone younger, someone uh, that would bring a different um, a different style of play. Uh, but but instead, you know, we we got the the same thing that we think we already know. Um, but I am going to actually say I'm no longer against Moyes coming back. And, and, and so I know it's fun to hate, and I know it's fun to really get on his back and, and to say he's a dinosaur. And, you know, if he was good, why didn't anybody else pick him up? And, and that's, a valid, that's a valid question, right? You know, why was he out of work for 18 months? Um, but what I've read is that basically the ownership was split on whether or not they should, they should offer him an extension. And Sullivan was like, no, 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 I got Pellegrini. I can get Pellegrini out of China. And I actually think it was like Gold and Karen Brady were like, no, we, we, you know, he, he did what we asked him to do. And a lot of people point at his 29% win rate, but they forget that he had 10 draws. And right. they also forget that we were atrocious. Slavin Bilic left, left us with nothing. Once, once Payette left, we were done, man. We were absolutely we were a skeleton. We were a skeleton. We were, yeah, and, and the, the squad was pretty poor. Um, Declan Rice was what, like, like 
he was like 19 and, he, and we were playing him at center back and he was getting skinned. And uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty ugly. Uh, he moved Arnautovic to the front. He did that. Um, he like reinvigorated him. He got us running again. Um, you know, like, and, and yeah, at first it, it got a little ugly because he didn't know how to get us to win. We're in a position now where the ownership feels like they owe him. Like they feel like they, they, they never should have done what they did to him in the first place. And we're also in a position where we have a much more talented squad of players. I mean, like him with Sebastian Allaire, I'm excited about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm excited. Him and Fornals. Fornals is Fornals work to really get into that. That's the kind of thing that he loves to see. Throw Anderson in there as well, too. I- evidently, evidently, the British players were all, like I said, so fed up with Pellegrini, and they like Moyes. They really like working with him. They feel that they can respect him. And he's already said he's going to come in. He's going to lay down the law. He's going to get everything out of those guys. So, and I have you like any doubt that if Anderson gives 50% that he's going to start? No. Right? We know he's not. So, it's not the sexiest thing in the world. But you know what, man? Like, I didn't hate Big Sam sometimes. So, you know, what are you going to do? The one thing I will say about this as well, um, that I think this really could be good for us as well, is that David Moyes probably feels like he has something to prove. Like, I shouldn't have been... I, I shouldn't have been uh, let go. I, this is my chance to prove it. I think I forget who said it, but one of the pundits said that um, the only two positions uh, or the only two uh, places that Moyes would consider going to manage again or was West Ham and Chelsea. And I think it's because he feels like he has unfinished business with West Ham now. And there, there's already uh, stuff coming out that his number one priority is to sign a box-to-box midfielder, something we as the fans have been crying yeah. out for so long. And he fi- and he sees that. And you remember when he was in charge, that's what he wanted to bring in as well, but the board wouldn't give him any money at all. But now I feel like I, – I, I think that they're going to back him like, because they know that – they're in dire straits at this point, and they need to make some changes. Well, the, the good news is that we don't need to buy a ton of players in January. We need to buy one player in the middle of the park that can run. And the one player seeing linked over and over and over and over with West Ham is Frank Kessie of AC Milan. Yeah, I mean, like, that could be agent talk, but my God, what a pickup that would be. That would be I mean, they're wanting, they're wanting him to go, and it's been nonstop since, like, September. That they've been saying West Ham, West Ham, West Ham, West Ham. So I saw a couple other guys already mentioned this week, but you know, like, so did you guys watch the press conference with Moyes today? No. I didn't watch it yet. It's it's actually really really interesting. Um, he comes across very well, but he did that before, and we forget that. Like you know, after press conferences, we you know all those West Ham fans would, who who are ready to hate him. And let's be let's be honest, man. Like we love hating people at West Ham United. We really do. So we were all ready to hate him, and then. He would give a press conference. We'd go. That was pretty sensible. That was pretty reasonable. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of like that. Um, and so today, very well spoken. Um, said he absolutely said he had unfinished business here. He said he uh, he walked in the door and already was like, "Hey, how you doing? Good to see people." Um, you know, Mark Noble, like I said before, um, seems to like really like Moyes. Uh, but then, but then, like he also said uh, that that his main goal. He said, "I want." He said, I, I have an extension on my contract that can be triggered. He says, I want to give them absolutely no choice. 
but to extend my contract. They will have no choice but to extend my contract at the end of it. And I love that attitude. I, I, yes, he's like, he's like, no, 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 I'm not surviving, guys. I want to come in here. I want to, I want to, I want to throw us up this table, right? I want to, I want to like push us as far as up this table as I can get. And he wants to build something long term. He wants this to be his last job, and I love that. And, and, and that's the thing too with throwing us up the table. You look at the table. I'm looking at the table right now. We have a game in hand um, against everyone. We win this match against Bournemouth. We're up into 16th, 15th place. But we're one. Yes, we're one point above the drop zone. We're only six points from top ten. Yeah. So it's not like it's completely out of grasp. If Moyes comes in and does a decent enough job, he can easily bring us up the table. Yeah, and that's that's really it. You're right. And, and then to the point too, don't you can't hate on Moyes. Like even if he is the worst, he could be the worst appointment in the world. Blame the board. Back Moyes. Blame the board. Yep, that's a good way to look 100%. at it. Absolutely right. Back Moyes. Blame the blame the board. And I just worry that that's what we're yeah, going mean, to be singing in March if nothing improves, and we're going to be throwing coins again at the owner's box. And that, and that's the issue too. I and that's why I think that the owners or the board is actually going to try and sink money in January because they know they're on the verge of another hostile protest from the fans. Yes. And well, I don't, and this could ratchet ratchet up. I don't think they're going to spend. I think we'll be lucky if we get one player in, and if we bring one player in, we'll probably sell Yarmolenko, uh, you know, or, or somebody else in order to make that happen. Which is fine. It could go one way or the other. I don't think it's going to be like two or three players. I think it's going to be either one or none or ten. Well, so someone at the press conference today asked him. They said, you know, um, there's already been you know rumors of players linked. Um, Olivier Giroud is one name that's already been mentioned a few times. They said, do you know anything about that? And he said, he said, well, more. And I just walked through the door, and no one said. Giroud to me, so I don't know. <laughs> so that's where it's yeah, isn't it? Well, and that brings that brings me to this point. We're, we're one place below the drop zone. What do you expect to happen now? Like, do you, how, how do you expect the second half to um, play out, Chris? Do you expect us to stay up? Do you expect us to be in top, still top ten is reachable? Do you expect us to go down? What do you expect? I. I don't see us going down. I really don't. I, it, it just is something that I, I think even if we're struggling in March, I think the players are going to kick on at the end of the year because they know that they have to stay, that they need to stay up. But it, I think it all does depend on January. I think it really does. It bring, let Moyes bring in the people that he needs or that he feels he needs to build a successful squad and push on. If that's the case, I could legitimately say that. Top ten is still a possibility. Like I said, we're only six points away, so it's not it's not it's not the most unlikely thing in the world. Will I think? Will, do I think we will do it? Probably not, but I think we'll finish around eleventh or twelfth, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see us getting relegated either. Famous last words. Um, but 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 like we've said before, this is a pretty talented squad. I mean, like we love to talk about. You know, oh no, the squad isn't nearly as good as it thinks it is, and it's unbalanced. And, and, and there's a point to that. That you know, we are an unbalanced squad. We have a weak center, right? I mean, the, the right. midfield is is uh, you know we've got a super talented youngster, and we've got a a wise. Uh, 
very slow, uh, who's our leader. And, and, and other than those two, there's literally nothing. There's nothing in the center of the park. Um, however, all he has to do is, 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 is tighten us up a little bit and then, and then score a few more goals. And, and with the players that are there, I feel like he can do that. I feel like he knows how to utilize players like this. And I think the other important thing, too, with Moyes over Pelle, uh, compared to Pellegrini, Moyes is not afraid to bring in the youth, play the young players like Holland um, and them. Pellegrini would just refuse to flat out refuse to play any youngsters, even bring them along unless he absolutely 100% had to. I think Moyes might give Holland a run out or two. Well, and so Moyes said something today in the press conference that was that was all that was interesting in addressing that. He said, you know, because they were saying, "What have you been doing basically for eighteen months?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, I've been active with with UEFA and with a bunch of other stuff." And, but one of the things he said is, he said, "You know, um, I'm really excited by what Red Bull have done, Red Bull Salzburg, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, I'm really excited about what they've done, you know, with their constant with their focus on youth and developing youth." He said, "That's really exciting to me." And so, um, you know, there have been some cynics out there who have already said, well, what is that? Does that mean that, you know, we're going to try to develop youngsters and just sell them because that's what they do? But I think I think what he's saying is he wants to develop. I mean, Everton had a really good youth side. You know, they had a really good youth, youth team under him. So, um, and, and he he is the type of manager who he wants top-down control, and he wants to be able to build something. So, um, you, know, uh, you know, obviously he's not going to do that by the end of the season, but uh, if he does get us to, to 13th, which I think would be a decent end for us at this point, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I would love to, so I would love to be th- like 13th and be like th- like a couple points away from 10th and just have the, because the drop points that we dropped the first half of the season, we can't get those back. But if we were, we're like 13th or 12th and we're only like, a couple points away from like 10th, I'd be thrilled with that. I'd be thrilled and be like, boys, welcome back next season. But if not, if we're still in the same predicament, I'm like, how can we bring back Moyes when he hasn't done much? He had a January transfer window, didn't bring in anyone, didn't bring in the youth system. Then I'm going to be sitting here wondering in May, how can we continue on like this? This is not working. Yeah. But, but I do agree that bringing in the youth is going to be, I think it's going to help us astronomically and giving them time to mature, especially if guys go down injured again. I think that's the best way to do it because Pellegrini gave those youth team guys almost zero time. And we have a great youth team in the U23s, and I think it's time that we start allowing them to roam free. Yeah. Let them experience Premier League games, maybe not go in when it's 3 nothing and there's 10 minutes left and there's nothing to do, but go in – Get some time, pick up some minutes, especially with the FA Cup coming up this week. It's time to give the starters a rest a bit and allow these guys to get some time in. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, with the FA Cup. If if Moyes really wants to win the fans over, he'll take the Cup seriously. Yeah, and, and I think he'll do that. You know, to, to kind of finish this point out, um, you know, Connor Coventry, right? I mean, he's a midfielder. I mean, so, you know, wouldn't, you know, I mean, what would it hurt to put him alongside Declan and see what happens? And, you know, we still don't know what formation Moise is going to play. A lot of people expect him to go to the, the three center back thing that he did that, you know, kind of worked for us last time. But, but he only did that because we were, we were pretty kind of rubbish with the back four. Yeah. Uh, he was a back four. He always played a back four everywhere else. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we line up um, on New Year's Day. 
But with that too, it's if he's always played back four, but he went to the back three, he's willing to change. He's willing yes. to change things around. Pellegrini, we're not going to ha- have to deal with the just constant running into the wall and saying, oh, we're just going to keep trying the four, five, one until it works. Yeah. All right. And with that being said, I'm going to end this podcast because we would be, we're going to be talking about what Moore's going to do for a while, for way too long. <laughs> and hopefully by the time next week rolls around, we're going to have at least one win under our belt. That's my goal for this week. Get one win, boys. Get one win. If he can, if he can win his first match out, it'll go a long way in convincing the fans. Absolutely. Well, not only that, if he could win the FA Cup match as well, or even if he could draw. Well, I don't want a FA Cup draw. I'd rather have the killing him. Okay. Okay. So if he wins the FA Cup this year, he's okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're all the same. Yeah. Well, if he wins the FA Cup this year, I I would be fine with him. Build him a statue. What? I built him a statue if he won us the FA Cup this year. Hang on, what, what would you build said statue out of? Bronze, marble? The Moisaya. He's the Moisaya. The Moisaya, yeah. Ah, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. If he starts doing well, starts doing well enough, we're going to start calling him that. If not, he will be just another Judas. <laughs> and on that biblical joke, this is Zach for Chris and John. Signing off. Um, thank you for Tim, to Tim and Lee for giving us this platform to do this podcast. And remember, American Hammers. Um, the American Hammer store has a bunch of merch. Buy our merch. Show your and support. subscribe. Yes, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Sound thousand subscribers. Yes, subscribe to us. However, you get your podcast, so you get notified of when we drop our next podcast. So. Right. We look forward to bringing in the new year. With we'll look forward to talking to you next year, and hopefully, we're going to be able to we're going to be able to survive the shady, the bumpy, bumpy, the bumpy, 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 bump. Come yeah, on, the bumpy, 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 bump. I'm, I'm, come on, you lines. So come on, you lines. Let's go. This has been an American Hammers Radio production on AmericanHammersTV.us. <laughs>